2: Coming to you here from the uh, Hive in Trenton, I've got Shomel and Farhan Malik uh, from Apex Capital. Welcome, guys.
1: Chad, thanks for having us. Thanks for
2: having us here, Chad. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so these guys, we met them about, uh, I want to say like five, six months ago, and uh, got to know them really well and just are super pumped about their story. want to share with all you guys out there. Uh, yeah, so let's just get started. Uh, I mean, first off. So you guys are brothers Mm -hmm. and you are business partners. Yeah. Uh, you probably go to Thanksgiving together. How, how, how's that all play out? Is that, does that work out? Okay.
1: We, we didn't start in the business together. You want to, you want to talk about that a little
0: bit? Sure. So, um, I actually, um, was doing an internship at Johnson and Johnson and finishing up school at the same time. And, uh, in our culture, uh, Our parents really pushed us to a profession. So they wanted me to be an engineer, my brother to be a doctor. Uh, He can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, And uh, I kind of changed courses, started doing business at school, but then quickly learned that they didn't teach you how to do any business. It was more (laughs) uh, on how to get a good job and ultimately be a manager. So what I decided to do was uh, condense my education and graduate a semester early. And then from there, I got into real estate. Uh, at first, I didn't know much about it. There weren't any YouTube videos, podcasts. Is going back to 2004, okay. uh, beginning of 2005. But right out of school, you went right into real estate. I went right into real estate because I bought myself six months to kind of uh, test it out. And if things didn't work, I was like, you know, I could always fall back and start interviewing or go back to Johnson & Johnson. Um, I just – when I was doing my co-op at Johnson & Johnson, I just hated the corporate environment there. So uh, I was determined to try to make something work. Um, Long story short, um, I did uh, about $100,000 in sales as a realtor, but my main goal was to really start learning about investment, get more familiar with the process, with the contracts and things like that. I was like, you know, what better way to do that than helping other people buy houses first? Uh, Then I started flipping houses and wholesaling deals and kind of um, showed Shamel that, hey, like here's something that we can do, um, as a business, uh, get a lot more control of our time. And it actually works because in college, like it would be like almost every month we were being pitched one kind of, uh, multi-level marketing or, you know, uh, another right. kind of thing that, uh, just didn't seem like it was going to come to fruition. Uh, so that's kind of how I got started into the business. And then, um, you know, uh, 10 years, uh, about eight to 10 years go by, built up a team of uh about 10 people and we were just doing a lot of rehabs and a lot of wholesales right before shamel and i teamed up and i think we could talk more about um how things are going and uh some of the things that we went through when we teamed up but uh, i'll let shamel share his story about how he got started
1: yeah yeah so um you know Farhan was mentioning in, in our culture where we come from uh being Pakistanis, we we were born there but we came here when we were both about five years old okay And it's drilled in your head, you know, you're either going to be a doctor or an engineer or a failure. Those are like your three options. So
2: like turnkey rentals is
1: not on the Pakistani success ladder. (laughs) No, that's not anywhere on the path. Yeah, there's no rock star, there's no turnkey, (laughs) none of that stuff, right? So that was constantly drilled in your head. I remember actually in sixth grade, uh, they sent home a ditto said you know what do you want to be when you grow up and at that time you're thinking like fireman astronaut things like that <laughs> yeah. and my dad's like put doctor right? <laughs> right. so um so yeah so that's drilled in your head early on so i went to school doing cell biology and neuroscience right super hard classes right and uh and economics as like a backup major yeah so i had a dual major and your parents are pumped right they're like uh, our sons uh, are gonna yeah. be successful Bought my mcat book you know paid like Whatever, sixty-five bucks for this Kaplan MCAT book. Never cracked that sucker open because what happened was my third year, I got involved in what Forhan was mentioning earlier, multi-level marketing. We had like two hundred and forty downlines. We were flying oh to San gosh. Jose, oh. meeting with the leadership of the team. This company was going head to head, uh, or trying to go head to head, head against uh, AOL and okay. dial-up service. Okay, but they were using an MLM structure to you know um, uh, get business yeah and so we had you know we were doing really well at one point we were actually making more money than our father was as a chemist right and oh, we're no like way. we're gonna take over the world and you know all these crazy thoughts where you're i've never heard the story young, naive this and is, uh... in college yeah but, but your parents are like freaking out right because they're Super like that out. is not the plan yeah yeah no, no i i saw i i started withdrawing from some classes you know, so some W's were showing up on my transcript. Um, and they're like, what's... I was, you know, three seven the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, what's going on? Um, and then the company, like, crashed and burned. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like, now what am I going to do with my life, right? And um, at this point, it was... You know, you have some of these, like, vivid uh, memories and, and points in your life that you never forget, right? Yeah. Like, if you say, like, what were you doing when you were 20 years old? You might remember one day out of the 365 days I remember when I told my dad and my mom in their bedroom, uh, we were just having a conversation. I was saying, I don't think I want to go to med school. And it's like, this is the Mike only dropped. reason we came to the United States of America. and like, you know, and how angry he got and things like that. But now it is, now you've got this chip on your shoulder and you have to constantly prove yourself because now you're taking a different path in life. Yeah. So anyway, I um, graduated school, um, sold drugs for a while. Um, fda approved products <laughs> <laughs> these are these are uh, <laughs> i was a pharmaceutical sales rep okay um so these were you know fortune 500 companies right not um, not a multi-level marketing yeah. drug no, no, uh, no. scheme not not on the corner drug so right okay i know yeah, yeah, in a suit you know company car amex card all right. that good stuff but the and, whole time were you when you were doing that you're just thinking this is not no so as soon as i came out i knew like You know i had learned esbi i i knew the cash flow quadrant the mlm stuff opened my eyes up to this whole body of literature self-development and business books where robert kiyosaki the purple book of course we've we've all read it probably everybody that's listening to this podcast has it in the library if you don't you should yeah rich dad Uh, poor dad rich dad poor dad yep um and so that was you know that's an epiphany for most people that yeah that that track doesn't work so i need to be a business owner and an investor at some point and so, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I took that path. I did corporate for 11 and a half years. And then I remember he did a deal in our backyard um, in New Brunswick, made like 130 grand, right? On one deal. On one deal. And I think he didn't work the rest of the year. Because <laughs> he was like 23 years old at the time, right? So, like, that's a crap load of money at that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, at that age, too. And. Well, hold on.
2: Can, can I hear about the deal? Can
1: you, yeah. The yeah. 130K deal? Uh, awesome deal.
0: Uh, absolutely. So, I. Um, uh this was uh it's going back to like I think two thousand eight or two thousand nine. Okay. Uh and it was a three family in New Brunswick. Um that we picked up for uh I wanna say it was like a hundred and fifty-five thousand. Okay. And then I ended up reselling it just completely as is, uh, no inspection period to another investor who was gonna rent it out uh and uh leverage it and then just you know uh have cash flow on the property so i bought it and uh i think we sold it like the day after um so it was a complete uh in and out uh and at that time um so this is uh this is now going like maybe three or four years in advance i got you know my circle of friends they're all you know working corporate jobs making 50 or sixty thousand, and actually had a few other rehabs going at that time so i didn't I wasn't working uh, too hard in my business, okay. but I had some very median profitable deals. So yeah, I would um, essentially take a lot of days off. I would <laughs> I, I, w- I wish I traveled more at that time, but I would um, you know I I was um, just doing a few deals a year, highly profitable. Uh, but then just because I was still living with my parents, I wasn't married at that time. Uh, didn't have three kids as I do now. Uh, there was just very limited responsibility. So uh, it was a good time. It was uh, so, so a deal. You,
2: How'd you find the deal?
0: So this is interesting. So I, um, uh, before I started slacking off to get the deal, I was working super hard. I was hustling. So what I would do is I had a call center set up um, and... Uh, w- I wasn't getting much luck at that time with uh, mailing campaigns okay. uh, and I was spending quite a bit of money on marketing. So what I started doing was uh, these naked notes, right? And what I figured was that if I target uh, people that are in pre-foreclosure, so I, I went I went through a website, uh, uh something that we're still subscribed to today, and what I would do is just target my area and at that time I was doing New Brunswick because we both graduated from Rutgers uh I would simply put a quick note there um I want to buy your house call me and then I would put like a female name one of the ladies that would work at this call center that I had in Florida uh and uh and then simply what, what I would do is I would just fold it in half and then I would literally tape it to people's doors so you can't you can't put it in the mailbox but I would tape it to their door and similar to like text marketing Um, you know, I feel that the open rate is close to a hundred percent. Cause if somebody's going to come home, they see something, uh, plastered to their door, they're going to at least open it up before they throw it out. What the heck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Versus, versus like, you know, once you're sending a postcard or letter, it's just kind of, kind of gets, uh, spam. So, uh, I remember that day very vividly, um, I was wearing like a green rain jacket. I had my hood on and it was, it was pouring, but I was like, you know what? I got 120 houses in front of me. I'm going to finish all of them. And I think this was like number, like it must have been like number 98 or number 101. But I got that letter on that door um, even, you know, uh, even in during that heavy storm. And that guy, I, I remember uh, I was actually in Trenton at that time looking at another deal. They called in uh, and you can basically there's a script, you know that the call center says. And then when I saw the numbers, saw the situation and things like that, I called him right back and rushed over to the property. And basically we signed the contract that day. S-
2: still raining? Or has uh, the no, rain th- subsided th- This, was, this
0: was maybe like two or three days later. Right. So I was looking at other properties here in Trenton. Uh, and, uh, but uh, like within, within, I would say 40 minutes of him, uh, of me getting that message and him calling the call center, I was already there at the property, checking it out, and then signing a contract. Awesome,
2: mm-hmm. awesome. Nice.
0: So, so you closed the next day. You flipped it to another investor. Correct.
2: Made one hundred and fifty k, and you said, "Time to go play Nintendo the rest of the year, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. more or less." Yeah. And by the way, Dad, I told you this was gonna work, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh,
0: and and you know, just for the listeners out there, uh, in retrospect, uh, you know, because I was young, uh, very limited uh, responsibilities. But if I could turn back the hands of time. I would have taken that money and kind of just planned a little bit better, uh, catapulted myself. I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't go out and buy an exotic car or anything like that. But right. um, I, I I wish I spent a little bit more time in my business, a little bit more planning. Because, um, you, you know, if you get a break in this business, and uh, it, it's like uh, I, I tell any newbie that if you go hard, really, really hard, and you hustle for six months, your life can change. Few wholesale deals. Like, you know, if you're working One deal. Uh, a job, right? Yeah, one deal, it could change your life. But if you're working a job, you're making 10, 12, 15 bucks an hour. But if you grind this out, you make twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on a wholesale. You make $10,000 on a wholesale. It's enough if you're in that position where you don't have a lot of responsibilities, still living with your parents uh, or paying a low amount in rent. $10,000 gives you enough room to be able to quit your job. Especially if you've made that $10,000, that profit is realized and you have a pipeline. Because then you can bank on that pipeline and forgo working 10 12 15 dollars an hour mm. to just focus on your business and focus as much as you can to uh, to make that pipeline uh realize into profit
2: yeah I cool. had a guy last night at our, at our one of our meetups he uh, up in Allentown he said uh, he said he made it his mission at work to spend more time learning direct mail marketing I saw that on your than, than <laughs> time doing work at work <laughs> and I said yeah. so and I asked him, so how'd that go from he said well in a couple of months, I both didn't have a job and didn't need a job. Nice. Instead, uh, that's awesome. That, that's great, right? It's like uh Well
1: yesterday was my five year anniversary of when um I wrote up my resignation letter and on my company laptop had my wife hit the send button to my boss. Uh I was the uh global business manager uh for a um healthcare company, flying all over the place. Uh yeah. you know, Monday through Thursday on the road somewhere. Yeah. And uh and and you know, had exactly like what Farhan said, had enough residual income coming in from rental properties, then had, you know, ton of rehabs going on, ton of wholesales going on where you're you're looking at it and saying, look, we've got some good amount of money coming up in accounts receivable. Yeah. I don't need this job anymore. Yeah. It's the most amazing, most liberating feeling, you yeah. know, after 11 and a half years of putting on a suit and, and doing that every morning and have somebody else control your time and your day. Uh, to not have to do that now. Now you know five years in county, uh, yeah. doing that. So it's good.
2: Awesome. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. One thing I like is uh, so the, the podcast is called the Real Estate Hackers Podcast. Yeah. And I love to kind of hear about stories where people did that hack. They kind of like figured out a way to get a deal done, or uh, you know, somehow a success story that came from something that maybe wasn't out of a textbook. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a story like we, that? Something we have a
1: lot of hacks. We we love hacks. Uh, we built our you know our entire business today yeah. is based off of a hack. Um, and one of them is simply this: that every seminar, every conference that you go to, especially entry level ones, um, and they're talking about wholesaling and assigning properties, right? So the idea is you're gonna lock up a contract with the seller, and then you're gonna assign it to another buyer, you're not really gonna do much. You're gonna be a transaction coordinator in the middle, and you're matching sellers to buyers. Uh, in a way that's legal, ethical, you're not you know, playing the role of a real estate agent. And so we said, okay, that's good, but your buyer pool is like this big. You know, it's all the rehabbers in your right. area, got your region, cash basically. and if they're all tapped out, and they don't have hard money backing them, or they have too many projects on their plate, now who do you sell that property to? Yeah. So we said, who's the rest of the buyer pool? And the epiphany was, the rest is every other person that thinks real estate is sexy, real estate is appealing. I want a piece of the real estate pie. I want in on this foreclosure boom. It's every doctor, lawyer, corporate executive that's hearing about it. high net worth individuals that are learning about it, reading about it, seeing it but on are, CNBC. Are maybe not doing this full time. Exactly. So they don't know where to find the. Deal. But they have the money. Yeah. So they don't have the time to you know find a deal you know or do a direct mail campaign or, or post notes but they have the money to invest. And so we said, here's what we're gonna do. And initially, this is what we did. We, I called it the wholesale that keeps on giving. <laughs> so so the, the way that we, I used to structure it is find a deal in a rental market, right? Let's say Plainfield, New Jersey was a good one. It was a, it was a good playing ground for us. And take that deal and sell it for 10, 15, $20,000 to one of these uh, cash buyers, right? And, and then I would stay on, in the way uh-huh. that you would syndicate an apartment deal, and collect $200 off the rent, right? So, and, and, and the end ROI should still be meaningful for the person that's buying the property. So they'd be on the deed, I'd be on the deed with them as a 10% owner, they'd be 90% owner and I'd collect you know, a portion of the rent. So all I have to do is be a deal finder at this point. I make money up front. I make money along the way and then if and when we liquidate the property, I make money on the upside of the property mm-hmm. as well. And then when I was at a conference, you know, I was on a panel and then Dave Lindall was like the, the keynote speaker at the end. And he said that this is what we do in apartments, right? We syndicate deals. We collect the acquisition fee up front. We get a carve out from the rents. And then we have a piece of the upside. I'm like, wow, that's validation. But I'm doing this with single family residentials. I spoke to Michael Blank about this as well. He's like, that's pretty creative that you're doing with this because you could scale this very, very quickly yeah. and have residual income coming in without any of your own money on the line. So we call it the wholesale that keeps on giving that then kind of uh, evolved into what we do today which is turnkey properties uh, where we uh, buy distressed properties fix them up put tenants inside uh, and took this whole kind of fragmented industry where normally a high net worth individual would sit at a starbucks or a dunkin donuts with their real estate agent and say hey i want to buy a property i've got this much Off capital the MLS, yeah right. exactly find something for me but what what happens is the agent then is out of the picture and if they got a good deal And they probably did because a distressed property it probably needs work Mm -hmm. and so now good luck dealing with a general contractor and how how all that plays out sometimes right um and then now you have to lease the property and now you have to deal with tenants and we said there's a there's a um a need here where we could vertically integrate all of these components bring it under one roof and and do the whole thing for these busy and i love
2: how so that kind of that's a great segment of where you guys are today which is apex capital you're basically working with folks who want to invest in real estate, mm-hmm. uh, probably finding them a better deal, a safer investment than maybe you'd find on the MLS, yeah. especially in a market like right now. For sure. But I also love how you you stay with them. I mean, you maintain that relationship with the owner.
1: It's key. Right.
2: Yeah. Because you're not just... I mean, how many agents are out there where the guy sells and then you never hear from the agent again? Yeah. I mean, you guys, I know you have, because I, I, I work with your investors as well. Uh, they... They maintain a relationship with you, and you're you want to see them succeed because ultimately you want to help them buy more stuff.
1: Yeah. Is that, I yeah. That's part well, of this, no, right? for sure because you know any rehabber or investor or wholesaler, when they're getting started in the business and they're going to all these reas, part of the training that they're getting is mindset, right? And and how to have thick skin. Well, your doctor that does surgeries and and you know just has a really easy life, uh, for the most part. Uh, if if his uh, water heater craps out, you know he's He's, he might lose it. He might not have the thick skin yeah. to be able to get through that. He might not have the fortitude to think long term that, oh, this is just a little hiccup along the way. What I'm looking for is the ongoing rental income, what, what I can bank on later down the road. And so we have to kind of handhold them and walk them through like, look, evictions can happen. Sometimes they will happen. Sometimes it might happen to your property, right? Repairs happen. And and you have to be able to um, you know ease that. And let them know that this is this is what it comes with the package. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. We're going to get right through this and it's going to keep on keep on going.
0: They will literally lose sleep over something like that. Yeah. Uh, where their D- tenant is like trained. five days late. Yeah. And we're like, well, listen, wait, wait, looking wait, wait, at wait. your Ten- ledger. Tenants don't pay on the first of the month? <laughs> no. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Most don't. But I was like, look, he, it looks like he's got an eight-month pattern of paying on the 18th. So I was like wait 13 days and I think he'll pay based on history. Yeah, if I had uh, to
1: bet my house, right? <laughs> like he's paid on the 18th the last entire year. Yeah. But every 4th of the month, you know, you're losing your head. Why? Just wait till the 18th, yeah, you know, the, I like that. you know the guy's got a paycheck pattern or whatever the case is. Yeah, so and and so the, uh,
0: the way that we, you know, made sure that we could kind of still um, ease the pain of some of these investors, but still continue to focus on the bigger picture and scale is we just had every communication uh, directed to a certain central email, like a customer support email for these investors so that we could have our staff step in as well. And we could also monitor all the communication in writing. And it just kind of made things a little bit easier, but it is uh, just like with real estate, Uh, they're actually okay losing money in the stock market. And uh, and it's something that they almost expect, and they don't worry about it, even though they're losing money. And in real estate, uh, somebody goes to eviction, but the house now has thirty thousand dollars in equity, um, and they've made you know x amount of money already in rent. It's like they're making money, but they're more worried. Yeah, and and that's you know it comes a lot with just educating, educating, I, I educating. I think part
1: of that is only is because. You know, once they've made the investment in stocks, right? And then it's going up and down. And again, there's that expectation that I might lose money. But if I make money, then great. Then I'm counting my blessings. With real estate, you still have holding costs, right? So uh, if that property is not rented, if it goes through vacancy, you have taxes and utilities and right. things like that that need to continue right. to get paid. The stock so, never so asks for more money. It never asks for in. more money. Yeah. Exactly. Or the, the, the broker never asks for additional commission <laughs> yeah. or anything. So when you're asking for that more money, you're kind of you know, in a cringe position, yeah. but you have to do it because you have to, yeah. you know, you're helping yeah. the guy out, so you know, maintain his property. And that ha- has a lot to do with setting and managing expectations throughout yeah. the way. And that's why, you know, even people that have properties performing, we have a saying in this business, if, uh, if you, you know, if there's no news, that's good news, right? <sighs> Although that's true, you should still be communicating with the investors like, hey, here's what's going on. Everything's, you know, Hunky yeah, like Dory, that. it's it's running, even a touch, once a month. Even if it's a one-liner, goes a long way. Yeah, it's it's an emotional process, isn't it? Yeah. It, more yeah. than you'd think. More than investing in stocks because it's
2: it's a tenant, so it's a human being. Yeah. And there's people working with you and there's a building and it, it does get emotional pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: And, and if you treat them right, you know, then you're the anti-Wall Street, right? Because my broker doesn't treat me this way or he doesn't right. give me these calls right. or, or, or this extra attention. Right. And then what they do is they open up their... Rolodex and say look I've got a good friend or I got a brother or I got somebody that has some money sitting I think you know, I'll connect you guys on email talk to them, you know, so that's that's how our business has been built
2: I'm gonna switch gears a little bit you guys invest across different cities Uh, I know it well not invest and also help investors invest across different cities. Yeah, how do you guys think about picking a city? Uh, Talk me through that whole process. Are you yeah? No, how did you end up
1: in some of these places?
2: What?
1: Well, what happened was we built a very big buyer's list. You know, we have about thirty-five thousand people. Um, I mean, it's relative. So I'm sure people that are listening to this might have over a hundred thousand people, but we're about no, thirty-five thousand people on our on our list. And, um, and how, well, how we've, many
2: transactions have you done so far? Just
1: over six hundred. Wow. Yeah. That's a, so that's awesome. What what we saw was that not everybody has in like in New Jersey, uh, 80, 90, 100, 120 thousand. Just sitting. Um, so we wanted to, we had a huge buyer pool of people, even in their 20s, that want to get going with real estate investing. They've got 30, 35, 40,000 in, in their IRA because the company matches and things like that. And so we said, we, let's look at other markets where people can own properties. What are we going to do directing with these people? Because they're just sitting on the sidelines right now. So there's two things. One, if they have 30, 40,000, 20,000, they could use it as a down payment right and if obviously the other component of that would be good credit Mm -hmm. so now we could do fully turnkey renovated uh tenanted properties to them and sell it to them with a mortgage that's one the other is other markets where they can hold properties in cash like ohio we we do a lot in toledo ohio last year we did i think over 85 deals uh over there we buy packages from mom and pop landlords that are kind of retiring or they're just done managing And they're selling their portfolio so we buy we buy the portfolio we take title and then we sell them off either as onesies and twosies or or sell the whole package to some people like we've done and um and then we study that market um as we're doing this so um you know uh meetings with the economic development director what's happening with net migration what's happening with jobs jobs is number one if there's no jobs there's no people right people are going to be leaving they're going to be fleeing um and, and and once we find out what sort of companies, industries anchor the, you know, that, that population and provide services, then we say, well, now people have reason to live here and work here, and so they need housing. And so we look at B and C areas. Um, and what we want to basically have is five to seven offerings because as the saying goes, real estate is local. So if something happens in one local market, at least you're hedged, you know, your, your overall portfolio is hedged. The same way that you would have maybe Biotech stocks, penny stocks. So you're going high risk, high reward there, and then just some basic blue chip stocks, yeah. right? So I, I nothing love that crazy.
2: concept. I uh, I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him from Bridgewater, yeah, for but
1: sure. My friend worked directly with okay. him. Okay. Yeah, I had a yeah, uh, big girlfriend
2: who worked there too, and yeah, uh, I got to actually meet him. And um, you know, he is such a big proponent of how important diversifying is. I mean, mm-hmm. people talk about it, but I don't think they actually always do it. yeah. And I think in real estate in particular, a lot of times people are investing in the same town over and over. yeah. And I love how you guys, I think it's super smart where you say, look, if you're an investor, if you can find a team that that, that can move in different places, mm-hmm. it's hugely valuable to invest across. I mean, you guys are in New Jersey, Baltimore, Toledo. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've got another place you're heading to next.
1: Yeah. Wherever slate takes us, we're, <laughs> we're going there. So, you know, uh, you know, we're, we've got, um, we're tied at the hip now and we love this relationship and we're looking to go into Lehigh Valley and, and some of the markets that you guys already have a footprint in. So That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Um, cool. Uh, so one more thing I wanted to hit on. So at Slate House, our, our property management company, we are a huge fan of tech. Um, you guys are obviously, you know, math tech guys as well. Uh, you know, started going to the science field, but then made a, made a direct U-turn into <laughs> real estate. You know, if you were to prophesize next three to five years, What is something in real estate that you're excited about on the tech front, innovation front, that you think is something people should really keep an eye on, that you think could really change the game?
1: Uh, I think how people are aggregating data nowadays uh, in terms of vacant properties, um, ways to layer lists uh, that that you've seen on list source and and other uh, methods. Really excited about that, finding motivated sellers. I think there's going to be uh, a correction that's coming up because there's so much liquidity on the market right now. Uh, it seems like every other rehabber is now a hard money lender as well. Yeah. Um, and they're now, we're seeing, you know for the first time, lending to newbies. And because of that, some of these newbies can't keep up with their debt service. We're seeing these properties show up on the MLS. So it if somebody, trust yeah, so somebody could devise a way to track these loans, and then see which ones are performing, which ones aren't, and if they're not, if a hard money lender forecloses, maybe creating a platform for hard money lenders for deals that aren't performing or are about to come—you know—they're about to um, foreclose on those deals from their uh, operators. Uh, I think that'd be something interesting to look at because then it's a it's a marketplace for other yeah. experienced rehabbers to jump in and help HMLs yeah. out and, and I, buy those deals.
2: I love asking. This. I, love, I love that the question because um, I haven't I haven't thought about that all, but think about it. You know, eight, 10 years ago when we went through the last downturn, there was obviously a ton of vacant properties that all at the market, Mm -hmm. Um, but we really didn't have this surplus of data and tech to be able to find those opportunities. And it'll be interesting to see if in that next downturn, is there a tech platform and or data source that starts to become available to allow folks to find access to what are these distressed properties so so folks like yourself can, can acquire them and ultimately... them in the hands of folks who can operate them better Mm -hmm. and and also you know be in for the long term
1: yeah Uh, yeah i I think you know for for the longest period few select people had this limited specialized knowledge i think in the last five seven ten years this stuff has really become with youtube with podcasts with uh, meetup.com like kind of everybody's in the know you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor and and start doing what they're doing as long as you have the work ethic Um, you know, uh, it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when
2: I got into real estate, it was like 2012. I told my mom, I'm going to get into real estate. And, uh, I remember my mom got real, she didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Silence. Mom, no, like, like, like buying houses. She said, well, but people have lost a lot of money in real estate, Chad. You know, because mm. in 2012, it was like a bad word. Like, mm-hmm. why would you get in real estate? 2010, mm-hmm. 2012, right? Uh, and now it's become like the cool thing to do. It'll be interesting to see if it becomes like a bad word again in yeah, two years, yeah. right? Where like all of a sudden there's a lot of people on the streets who are like, man, I lost some money in real estate. Well, that's
1: the time to buy, <laughs> right? It's, unfortunately, uh, it sounds, you know, sometimes horrible or predatory, but- yeah. uh, you're actually helping people out of bad situations that's where investors come up you know come in and and clean up streets and clean up entire neighborhoods uh, yeah. when stuff like that happens you know all these vacancies and boarded houses it's the investors that turn that around yeah. right and bring capital to a place well, this is awesome, guys.
2: I uh, I'm I'm so thankful you guys could make it out here today. I'm thankful that for our partnership. We partner together. We manage some of your uh, uh, properties. We're, we're thankful for it as well. And yeah. uh, this is awesome. So, how how can people reach out to you? Do you guys have turnkey deals available now? I mean, are you yeah, still-
1: absolutely. So, two main websites. Our core company website is investwithapex one word. Okay. Investwithapex.com. Uh So you can go on there, read about our company, you know, our team, uh, all of that. Uh, We do publish some of the deals on there, but if you want to see up to date deals published, it's Apex Hot Sheet, uh, which actually we got that idea right here at the Hive Uh when Will Holly was speaking. All right, Uh, but Apex Hot Sheet, we just turned it into a um, a URL, uh, and that'll take you into every single deal, what the rents are, what the you know all the expenses, the net operating income, the cap rates. Anyone can check it out. Anybody can check it out. It's a
0: public website, ApexHotSheet.com. And if there's a wholesaler out there that wants to uh, potentially have us look at their deal so that we could buy it, uh, it's ATM uh, Apple Thomas Mary at investwithapex.com. Just send the deal to that email and then our acquisition guy can take a look at it. Awesome. Uh, and I love how you came to a meetup,
2: heard something from Will Holly, who we're gonna have to have as a guest here as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome uh wholesaler. And then yep. implemented it. And you, that was only like a couple of months ago. I mean, you guys yeah, moved pretty yeah. quick, right? Yeah. yeah, no,
1: well, we we did the, the the physical hot sheet the next day. I was like, <sighs> told about a guy who was also attending this meeting right here, that I write that do down, that. we're doing that. And then we turn it into like a URL afterwards. Awesome. Yeah. And then just
0: a quick another hack. I mean, a lot of these things we uh, that we learn, we enforce right away because we do have a small team that works in the Philippines, India, and Nicaragua that kind of help with a lot of these back-end things. So we literally we see something at a meetup we'll explain it screenshot it from our computers send it over and then by the time we're going to sleep it's already being implemented
1: yeah we're we're, we're perpetual students i mean Amazing. uh this one of the things that we're doing this year there's people that came into the business after us
0: but you don't know what
1: they're implementing they've learned new tricks along the way yeah and you just need like that one nugget that could change your trajectory completely or just add that strategy so we're constantly doing that with our Amazing. business
2: not uh not going to medical school as students, but uh, students in real estate.
1: Yeah. yeah sorry,
2: sorry yeah. mom and dad. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> students of life.
2: It's awesome, guys. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, real Estate Hackers Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Real Estate Hackers, or RealestateHackers.com. This is awesome, guys. Uh, Chad, thanks for having me. Super us. pumped. Apex, if you're looking to do some investing, These are awesome guys uh, that can kind of help you along the journey. I wish I had known these guys five years ago. We've learned a ton already,
1: so uh, it's great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right, had a great time. See you guys. So that's our episode
2: of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram, at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an On Air Brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows? You may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.